This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Main Street Comics and Memorabilia. Go and check them out, and don't forget to check us out. We're going to be there live August 22nd. That's a Saturday from 11 till 4 p.m. Also, JB Designs is going to be there selling his special comic prints, so you're going to want to come out and see us. And on top of that, Johnny, tell them what our listeners get. If you are a listener of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce and you drop our name, you'll get 15% off on your total order. So that's right. Go check them out. It's Main Street Comics and Memorabilia. And tell them that the Happy, Happy Hour, Hour with Johnny, Johnny and Deuce sent you. My name is Johnny Womack, and I've got Deuce. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Of course, this is the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We are a twice-weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. But every episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce starts off with the Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Well, that was a good one, man. Good one. Good times. Bush good Light times. is doing good tonight. Oh, yeah. Good times. Uh, Deuce, who do we have with us on the program today? We have a very, very special guest, and I'm very honored to have him. It's our good friend, C.J. Antonino, the great Bambino. What's going on, brother? Not much, guys. I'm pretty pumped to be on this show. We've been talking about it for months, talking about it the past few weeks. It's time to get a little rowdy on this program. Now. That's what I'm talking yes, about. Sir. That's what I like to hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, just to go ahead and start the ball rolling, what got you started in the wrestling business, C.J.? <laughs> Uh, that's, a, that's a long, drag-out story, so I'm going to give you the, the watered-down version. My uh, my uncle, may he rest in peace, who uh, died a few years ago, he used to be a tape trader. Back in the day when there was no DVDs and you could just barely get your hands on any type of independent or, or any any type of wrestling in general, in general like shows that, that they would just retape and sell and stuff like that. And my uncle was trading with a guy from Japan and came across... The legendary match with Cactus Jack and Terry Funk, the barbed wire match. Wow. Nice. That's the first match I ever saw. And at like seven, eight years old, I was instantly hooked. And I knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Nice. Well, when you when you started your pro wrestling journey, wh- where did you go to school? Uh, to, honestly, to first of all, if anyone is trying to get into the business, you need to go to school. Stop wrestling in your backyard. Stop jumping off of people's roofs and doing stupid crap with light tubes. Go to an actual school, get trained, and uh, do the right thing like I did. At 14 years old, uh, I found the local independent professional wrestling federation by the name of the New York Wrestling Connection, NYWC. It's in uh, Deer Park, New York on Long Island. Uh, They have trained the likes of Matt Stryker, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, and Trent Beretta. Wow, that's a pretty impressive lineup right there. Yes. And when I first started, I was trained by Mikey Whiprack himself. Holy shit. Wow. Really? That's awesome, dude. <laughs> yes. So I was I was there for about eight months when I first started. And uh, I was also doing high school wrestling, which I was, I was in like ninth grade at the time. And I wound up hurting my ankle real bad and uh, just was focused, wanted to focus on school wrestling. So I told them, you know, I'm going to take a hiatus from pro wrestling. So I took my hiatus from pro wrestling. I, l- I learned a lot while I was there, man. I was training with the likes of Tony Nese and all those guys before they got called up to WWE, WWE and uh, Nice to TNA and all that stuff. You know, I was, I was the, the how can I put it? My, 
Myers, that they were the Myers brothers, Kurt Hawkins and uh, and Zack Ryder, before they got called up, and we would train with them. You know what I'm saying? So it was cool to like be around those guys before they made it big. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. So me getting back into professional wrestling a few years later, I graduated high school and. I was I went to college for a little while and I was like you know I, I felt like something was missing and I needed to find another school, so I found a school that I graduated from which was a little little ways down the road called Pro Wrestling Revolution. Uh, I trained there for a little while until they closed their doors, and then it wasn't until about a year and a half ago of doing things on my own that I found my way back home to NYWC and that's where I've been training, still polishing up and now uh, doing my thing tagging with a uh, childhood hero of mine, Tony Mama Luke, so you can't get any better than that, brother. That sounds awesome. Do you remember your first match? Yes, I do, actually. It was against this guy called the International Cage, and I wrestled him. He's a big dude. He wrestles uh, for, I think it's called 1CW, or something like that. Now is like where he's where he's from. I don't know the area of where he's from, but um, I wrestled him. It was in a church. It was like a church event. And uh, I, I wrestled him in a squash match where I pretty much ate a big boot to the face and we took it home from there. I, I got to say and, and ask you about that because that's a hilarious story. Do they have to change the rules a little bit when they're wrestling at a church? Do they got to, like, make it really PG? Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird because, like, the, the show that I was wrestling for, they were like, oh, you know, you can't curse, you can't do – you know, this, this, and that, and they didn't want people to bleed, and they didn't want people to get hit with chairs, and it, it was it was very odd. It, they wanted it to be, like, to the T, family-friendly, and to me, like, growing up, and I'm like, this is really what, I, I'm like, this is one of my first matches ever, and I'm, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> so, it, it kind of sucked, but it was cool to just be out there, man, like, the energy that was just there, and then the fact that, like, I had a few people come see my first match. Like my best friend Matt, like it was, it was, it was really cool. Well, on the bright side of things, at least you've got your WWE training now because you can't curse, you can't get hit with stuff. You, there's certain moves you can't do, so at least now you're prepared for the WWE when you get your call up. Oh, that would that would be nice. That you know, from from your mouth to, to God's ears, brother. <laughs> Hopefully they call me up because I'll talk up a storm for them. I'll I'll wrestle a broom if I have to. <laughs> so. We were you were sending us some videos uh, of some of the work you've done, and I, one thing that I really loved is like how like confident you are on the mic. Is that something that was just natural, or did you have to really work on that? Um, to be honest, like growing up too, because like my uncle, like I said, we get all these these tapes and stuff like that. I became legitimately fascinated by guys that can talk. Like Cactus Jack, obviously, is the reason why I got into the business. But then, like, I started watching legends like Piper. And Austin, these guys that could talk. And I was just, like, infatuated with the fact of, like, how, like, you can you just watch their eyes and just see how confident they are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the fact that, like, certain deliveries, like like Jake the Snake, the way he could deliver a promo could send chills down your spine. It you, doesn't matter how many times you watch it. You're like, you're like damn, like, that has me hooked as if you were going to watch what he did in the 80s right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, I've got... Gotta say, watching the videos that you sent me, CJ, you've got the gift of gab. You're good on the mic. Like, you know how to handle the stick. Like, you've got no problem in that area. When you go to do a promo, is there, like, music you listen to or is there something you do to get, like, pumped for that promo or, like, a place you go under your mind where you're like, okay, I gotta be in this mindset to do this promo? Like, what's your thinking going into a promo? 
Um, I really just want to get like, I don't want to do, I'm not really a fan of the whole catchphrase thing, but like the mindset that I have is I want, I want to sell what I'm doing and the fight that, you know, to make people be like, yo, I want to either see this guy get his ass kicked or I want to see him kick this other dude's ass. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and the, the, a lot of people don't realize that like, you need to really sell your opponent, yourself, the company you're wrestling for, That's the true. date of the show. Like, there's so many guys that they'll just ramble on for five minutes, and you're like, what is he talking about? You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people, they like to, like, bash their opponent. Like, you could do that in a way, but you don't want to make it seem like you're going to just shit on the guy, and then you go and you wrestle him, and then you lose, and that makes you look like an idiot. No, yeah, because you kind of got to build each other up when you're doing the promo. Yeah, you want to make the fight look interesting. You still want to seem like a badass. But like you said, if you just shit all over the other guy, then you, you got to build each other up so people want to pay the money to see the match. Because if not, they're like, oh, that's just going to be a, a, a squash match. Why am I going to go pay my hard-earned money to go see that? Exactly. And if you're in a program with a guy, you just shit all over him in one promo, and then you got to do more promos. It's like... Where do you go from there? You just you just ship all over who you had to wrestle, and it makes him look like crap. It makes you look like crap, and it makes the promotion really like non credible in my eyes. So I really I just get into a mindset of what I want to get my I want to get my point across. I want to build them a, a bit, and I want to build myself, and I want to leave these people like wanting more to where they want to see the match and not just be like, all right, I saw his promo. That's all I really need to see. Yeah. You never want to be just a promo. You want to be a mouthpiece, and you want to be an athlete. You want to be a worker. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of being a worker, like, what do you? Who do you model yourself after? Like in the ring, what style? For people that haven't seen you uh, wrestle yet, I'm really a lot of different. Like, I could, I could do so much. I'm, I'm very brawler. Basically, a brawler, but like, I could do submission. I like wrestling small guys that could do all the flippy lucha stuff because I can make that you know I can make that look good. Um, I like wrestling pretty much anyone. I just love any style of wrestling. I model myself basically after like a, a Cactus Jack, Bruiser Brody type wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With a little bit of an a little bit of an edge, like like I don't give a crap like Steve Austin, but like to the point that like. I make you care that, you know, that I'm not trying to rip off these guys. You know what I'm saying? Well, see, that was funny. Before we called you in the pre-show meeting, we were watching your videos, and both me and Johnny said, dude, this guy is almost like a prototype Kevin Owens. Like, it's kind of the style, the I don't give a crap, I'll beat your ass, the ground and pound. But you sell moves so well. Like you said from the little guys, like, you'll sell a lucha move like Dolph Ziggler sells. Yeah. Like, I mean, you just know how to do business with people and make them look good i i really appreciate that and, and I, I hope i hope more people will see that out there i mean there's there's not that much of me on the internet because a lot of different places that i've wrestled just were it was like ring time and they were so professional about like not getting the match to me or putting it up you know what i'm saying so that's why there's like very little on me but it's just i really appreciate that from you guys because i know you guys are big fans and it's just that's a lot of uh, vindication for my hard work because I want to go into every match as if it could be my last match because you never know what's going to happen out there. And uh, those those guys that I've wrestled, I've wrestled so many top-notch people, so many guys that, you know, it was work going out there. But, you know, I just love the business so much that no matter who I'm out there with, I'm willing to do business. 
And, you know, the fact that you you guys compared me to a Kevin Owens is kind of cool because I grew up watching that guy. I used to go, I used to bust my friends' asses and be like, all my older friends, and be like, we got to go to this ROH show. We got to go see, you know, we need to go to, we need to go to all these independent shows. And all my friends were instantly hooked. And Kevin Owens was a guy I really looked up to, you know, Kevin Steen through ROH and all the yeah. other independents and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you guys comparing me to, to Kevin Owens. That's really cool. Thank you. No, you're welcome, man. Because like I said, when you're in that ring, it's, it's, it's impressive. It's something to watch. Uh, my question for you is you've worked with so many different people. Was there anybody in particular that you like really liked working with or somebody you learned from that you really enjoyed? Oh, uh, well, getting to to the late, great Rowdy Piper, um, I actually wrestled a match, when was it, like two, three years ago. I shared locker rooms with him plenty of times and spoken to him plenty of times. I think it was like six or seven times we had, I had physically been in a locker room with him. And I asked him, you know, subtle advice here and there. And uh, th- it was about two or three years ago when uh, I was clearly pissed after one of my matches. And it was out around Concobar on Long Island. And I wrestled a guy that my opponent changed like four or five different times throughout the time that I was I was at the event. And I'm like, I, in my head, I'm just like, there was so much planning for the first person that I was going to wrestle. And then thinking about, you know, they pretty much just swept the rug out from underneath me. And I was like, I was like, damn, I got to wrestle this guy on the fly. And that was something that I hadn't really done. So it was a, it was a big time learning experience. And he was a very inexperienced wrestler who, who knew some stuff, but it was like, you had to really lead this guy. And so we wrestled and I was, you know, to the, to the naked eye, to the people that, that weren't trained, that was, that was a great match. But to me and people that knew that there was a few mess ups, you know, it wasn't the greatest match ever. And I'm, I'm a perfectionist, and I was just very angry. Well, and uh, Piper had come up to me. It wasn't even me going up to Piper. And he comes up to me, and he goes, what are you still mad for, lad? And I'm like, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I can't believe Piper just came up to me to talk to me about my match. So I'm taking my boots off, and I'm like, well, you know, I just didn't feel it out there. You know, I, was, I was feeling like the match was just dragging on, and that it wasn't that great, and... I was just like, I just felt like tonight was just a waste. And, you know, it just makes me question myself if I'm a leader. And he goes, well, let me ask you something. And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, Did, do you think you got the job done? And I go, I believe so. He goes, well, to me, it seems like it because they were chanting your name before you even went out there. And I had to get up and watch and watch to see who, who CJ was. So you obviously had them, the hook, line, and sinker. And he was, he said, as long as they're they're with you the whole step of the way and there was no dead points in that match, he's like, it doesn't matter how much you screw up. This is a learning experience and you're going to build from it. He said, it ain't WrestleMania, kid. And you know what? I, I just sat there and I thought about it. And, and you know, we, we wind up sitting later on. Like, he, he invited me to come, like, sit down and, and drink with him and talk. And we talked more and he gave me some great advice. But that's just him saying, you know, it ain't WrestleMania, kid. It doesn't matter how many times you go out there and you screw up. You're going to learn. He said, you never stop learning in this business. And he goes, and if you do, you need to just get out of it. And that was just some advice that I was just like blown away by that a veteran, especially someone of his stature, a legend, would come up to me and talk to me. You know what I'm saying? No, I understand. It was was so cool. Yeah, because when you're a professional wrestler, a guy like Roddy Piper is like – if you were a basketball player and playing, you know, in the European leagues and LeBron came and talked to you and gave you advice or something, like, 
that's huge for a guy of his stature to kind of come down to your level and be like, hey, and give you advice. I, I want to ask, just because you've intrigued the shit out of me, what happened with you and Piper when you had drinks? I would love to hear what Piper said to you. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot that, I, that I'm not going to go into detail with because of the fact that he gave me some great advice that was just more like, the inside of the business type of deal. Right, so right, right. if we ever get a chance to just talk like through a message or something like that, I'll definitely tell you. For but sure. To, to, to break it down shortly, he, he just told me to just keep working hard. He was like, you're a young kid at the time. I was 22, 23 oh, wow. years old. He said, you know, you're, you're, you're a bigger guy. You know, it, it's hard for a bigger guy to move the way that you move. You know, he was just, you know, giving me a lot of compliments and just telling me to stick with it. He said, you know, he said to me, there's, there's a lot of guys that they, they get discouraged so quickly and they're quick to just be like, ah, fuck it. And they don't want to, they don't want to do it anymore. And they quit the business. And, you know, there's so much, so many people out there that just the talent in the business was just wasted on them or that they had the talent and they just didn't want to use it. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of lit a fire under my ass, man, like big time. And it just made me hungry to do better. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that you said out of this was never stop learning. For people at home, no matter what you're into, no matter what trade, what hobby, what professional um, entertainment, whatever you're into, never stop learning. It's always going to help you get better and help inspire you and help inspire others. So that, for those listening at home, that's one of the biggest things I got out of your conversation with Piper. Yeah, man. And you know what, dude? It, 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 to me, too, because I had been in locker rooms with people that have been places. And a lot of them, if you've gone up to them and you try and ask them something, they don't want to pass on their knowledge. The, no matter what business it is, whether it's professional wrestling or you're a CEO of a company or anything like that, if someone's asking you a question to try and further themselves and their, their work rate, just pay it forward and pass on a little bit of knowledge because that, that's what I got from that conversation too. So anytime with, with the younger guys that are at NYWC that train with me, Anytime I see something or they ask me anything, I'm 100% willing to help them. Because if you help the little guy, they they could you know explode out of nowhere. It doesn't matter what business it is. And if you help that person or you know they might help someone else, and it grows the business, whatever business you're in. And I'm all about growing the business because, like I said, it doesn't matter who you're wrestling. You're in this business for a reason. It's not about the money. You want to you wanna legitimately – make this look as real as possible because we are athletes, man. And, you know, people think that at the drop of a dime, we could just do, we, they could go in there and do what we do without being trained. You need to be trained and you need to get a little bit of knowledge and pass it on, man. Well, it, it's funny because what you mentioned about the indies, because I had a question about that. I'd watched, and I want to say it might have been a year or two years ago on History Channel, they had a great documentary about pro wrestling, and Luke Gallows was one of the people in it. And he was going to Indy Show, and the short version of the story, he missed his exit, and it was him and another guy were riding together, and they were like the headliners of the show. And they didn't. the Indy promoter didn't even know if they were going to make it. Uh, and you see the Indy promoter during it. He switches the lineup of the whole show probably five times within the course of an hour. And even when the show starts, he's still like rewriting and editing who's going to go on when because they don't know when Luke Gallo was going to show up with his other buddy. And they finally do show up. They make the show and it all works. But being that you're working on the indies, 
is there times where you go into a building and like it's like okay this is the match setup and then maybe 20 30 minutes before your match goes on it's like okay you're actually going to fight so and so you know not the guy you were planning on fighting or oh you're going to be the curtain jerker not the you know the third or fourth match in the card is has things like that happen to you and how often does that happen <laughs> plenty of times man i mean me and my uh my trainer stockade we were we were riding together and uh, we were on our way to Delaware with two two buddies two buddies of ours that we that we train with that are at our home fed NYWC and we're on the way to Delaware and we're like damn this is a long drive and we had missed one of our exits but we got there like two hours before the show even started so we're getting our stuff together and it came down to that me and one other person weren't gonna wrestle because they had a full card and then. 20 minutes before the show starts they come up to us and they're like uh change of plans you guys got your stuff yeah you're gonna wrestle tonight so i wind up i wind up wrestling my buddy uh adrian bale and uh we we went we went on like second <laughs> and we had to we had to just call up mainly on the fly like we knew exactly what we wanted to do kind of in our heads and then uh we went out there and we absolutely killed it and people were like, like, I'd never gotten a standing ovation in my life, like wrestling. And I got a standing ovation at that place wow. like that. That was that was like something. It was something out of a movie, man. It was so cool. But there's times where stuff like that can be very frustrating. But you got to go into it confident because like we do train to do this and we should be prepared for the worst at all times. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I would like to ask you about this because, you know, me and Johnny, we've, we've grown up on WWF, WWE. Uh, we're, we're big wrestling aficionados pretty much across the board. ROH a little bit, TNA a little bit, NXT, WWE. Indies to us, at least for me, when I was younger, right during the whole, you know, Monday Night War, I was really into the indies. I, I was kind of uh, like your, your, your uncle, you said. A, a tape trader myself and like was always collecting tapes and seeing what things were going on in the indie scene. I, I want to know a little bit more about that. Like, how does that work? The indie scene when you're working and it's like, Hey, like, how does that work exactly from your point of view as an independent pro wrestler? <laughs> uh, I think uh, the way that it works is everybody should have the goal of getting somewhere. And if your goal is not to go to TNA to WWE, to ROH, to New Japan, what are you in the business for? Right. And to me, if you don't have that goal, there's really no point because you're pretty much wrestling for nothing and you're in someone like me who wants to go anywhere to have the experience, you know, or just say, hey, I wrestle, you know, here and I wrestled so-and-so and I wrestled these names. You know what I'm saying? People that have no goal to get to these places are just in my way and in everybody else's way. And the way that the independence is to me, it's, you know, it's your playground to learn as much as you possibly can. And it, just getting back to that, you got to learn. You got to learn. If you don't want to learn and you're going to stay stagnant and you're not going to want to be at the top of your game and continue to learn at the top of your game, there's no point in being in the business. Well, I agree because, like, I bring up a – a wrestler that we're all pretty familiar with now, <clears throat> uh, Chris Jericho. 
he started off, you know, he's from, you know, from uh, Canada. And then obviously he wrestled in Japan. He wrestled in Mexico. And he, he was a constant learner. He was always taking notes visually and, you know, literally taking notes of what he saw. And, of course, you know, he has an awesome book that kind of goes over more details about that. But he, he kind of aligned himself with some pretty pretty cool characters like the Lance Storms and the Eddie Guerreros and the Rey Mysterios. And he was always learning. And I think it's great because look where he started to where he is now. He's a legend and because he never stopped. He always fought and strove really hard. And that's someone that I personally, you know, as a fan of wrestling, really look up to to this day. Oh, yes, without question, man. Like, like he, like he was saying, even in his DVD, he was like, you know, they went to, I believe it was Smoky Mountain, and that's where he learned how to cut a promo because he did not know how to cut a promo before that. Like that's that's crazy because like it took him being in a certain territory at a certain time in his career, to, you know, to eventually build to him being this mega star in WCW that they did not utilize, and he was one of the most underutilized wrestlers of that time. Until he went to WWE and kicked down the doors of that company and everybody was like, they turned their heads and they were like, wow. You know what I'm saying? He gave the most groundbreaking interviews at that time. And he could be that guy that you either loved him or you hated him. Well, no, and I, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I'm a huge Paul Heyman fan, a huge ECW fan. And that's kind of exactly what happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He left WCW went to ECW, and I think that's really where he honed his skills as a, as a promo guy. Like, that's really where he got his promo skills. And, and my question to you is, because like I've said before, you're awesome on the stick, man. You've got some good promo and some good mic skills. Where did you learn those? Like, who taught you, and, and what was your kind of, you, you know, your learning experience with that? Um, To be honest, no one really ever taught me, like, how to – cut a promo i was always uh i kept to myself as a kid and uh i was just always you know thinking especially with wrestling like i, I was always i always had it in the back of my mind that i was going to become a professional wrestler and i would sit and study mick foley promos and i would watch ecw promos like that's a lot of the tapes that my uncle got was ecw stuff so i would sit and i would watch and i became fascinated at like the fact that like the way that Heyman got to bring out that emotion in people and i figured as as i figured out as a young kid i need to draw emotion from people and whether i needed to be angry or just look into the camera to make people see that like i'm a hundred percent i a hundred percent believe exactly what i'm saying so if i believe it you're gonna believe it but if i don't believe it you ain't gonna believe it yeah it takes a lot of commitment you know and I was curious because you talk about your drive to Delaware. Like, what's the furthest you've ever driven for a match? Wow. I've been all up and down the East Coast, so maybe a little bit past Maine. I've been to Florida. I've been all over, man. Uh, North Carolina was a pretty was a pretty steep drive. Uh, I've done Buffalo. So I've been, I've been everywhere, man. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. The next time you're in Florida, you got to give us a heads up because we will bring the Happy Hour Army with us, and we'll definitely come out and see your show, man. Oh, definitely. Like, if I'm ever out there too, I would just come and hang out with you guys because, like I said, just from talking to you guys after you spoke to my buddy Rob, you know, you guys seem and I know are very down to earth people, and you seem like people I'd hang out with. Well, shit, brother. I'll do you one better. You need a place to stay in Florida. I've got an extra guest bedroom, and you're more than welcome. You and your whole crew to crash at my place. 
Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Well, trust me. I know how it is in the business, man. you got to scrimp and save them dollars. And if you can save on a hotel bill, that, that's another 50, 60 bucks you made for the weekend. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You know, it's like I feel like this is like a family atmosphere when it comes to the business because a lot of people – like they learn from each other and they kind of like confide in each other. And it's a, a really awesome family atmosphere that I've seen. I mean, obviously you'll see some people that you don't agree with, but it, they're professional and they work in the ring with you and they get their job done. And I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen, especially in, in the indie scene, because you know, Deuce and I, we're from Florida, right? And that Florida championship wrestling oh, for well, a long time. Solely back in the day, day. Yep. And we had Dusty Rhodes. We had some oh, of the yeah. greats that came down here back when it was the old territory system. But even after oh, yeah, that, yeah, and even after that system failed, we had you know FCW. We've still, I've got to say, Florida's got a pretty good indie scene. Like, yeah, there's yeah. probably yeah, you a, got, uh, full full impact pro is still running over there, and they they are one of the better promotions out there. Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of things going in Florida wrestling wise, and I think it's because. The Southern Territories, to me, have always seemed like a hotbed for wrestling. It seems like there's oh, pockets. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, the way wrestling was to me, especially like back in the day before it exploded in New York with WWF, it was all Southern wrestling. And if you, and if you weren't wrestling in the Southern Territories, you weren't making money. If you weren't in Texas, if you weren't in Florida... If you weren't in Memphis, if you know, if you weren't all these different places and in the South, you weren't making money. And then once it exploded into New York and it just went everywhere and it went viral in the eighties, man, you know, we gotta thank Hulk Hogan, we gotta thank Rowdy Piper, we gotta thank all these guys that helped build that to where it wasn't just the southern hotbed to go wrestle, to where you could go anywhere in the country and people will want to see professional wrestling. And that is friggin' awesome. No, it is, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You've got to thank people like Hulk Hogan, like Roddy Piper, like Jake the Snake. Uh, you got to respect all those older uh, wrestlers, the legends that built kind of the – kind of paved the way for you guys now. I mean, it's so nice because, like you said, you're like pretty much anywhere I can drive to or I can fly to and still make it profitable, I can go and find someplace to wrestle. Yeah, always. No matter what, it doesn't matter what city you're in. What's the it's pretty crazy? What's the craziest match that you've ever been in? <laughs> well, uh, I had to wrestle Balls Mahoney in a steel cage match. Holy <laughs> shit! Really? How did that go? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not gonna go too much into detail, but uh, it, it went pretty well. It didn't go as well as I wanted it to to go. Because it was one of my first title defenses for a uh, local promotion here in uh, New York called the Suffolk Wrestling Alliance, the SWA. And, um, you know, they gave me the opportunity to wrestle this legend. And it was by far an honor. And, uh, you know, we did good business. And I feel that nobody went home not happy. Because you, you got to see everything Balls had. And you got to see everything Bambino had that night. And, uh, you know, thankfully I walked away victorious, so I got a legend on my list. So uh, it, it went it went decently well, but I wanted to use it as a, as a match, as a platform to send out the places. And to, to me, you know, a lot of people said that it was to those standards, but to me it wasn't. So I don't use it, but, you know, it, it was an awesome experience wrestling someone of his stature that had been around for years. 
And I, I took all those chair shots like a man, just so you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of not seeing everything that CJ has, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back with more of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by... Video Games Monthly. You may have heard us talk about this, but you have to check out Video Games Monthly. They're a monthly subscription service that delivers retro video games right to your door, and you never have to send them back. Video Games Monthly is a must for gamers who love retro gaming and trying to build or rebuild their collection. Every month, they send out a variety of games, both well-known retro favorites to the unique ones to make sure you consistently get a well-rounded gaming experience. Video Games Monthly offers monthly boxes of three, four, or five games for any combination of NES, SNES, Nintendo 64, and Sega Genesis. Take a look at their website at www.videogamesmonthly.com to sign up for your monthly variety of retro video games. And remember, when you're talking about the Video Games Monthly, tell them that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. And we're back with the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And of course, we've got our very special guest with us, CJ Antonino, the great Bambino. We're talking road stories. We're talking uh, your time in the Indies. Um, is there any match to you personally that was like your favorite? Like where you were like, man, this is this is like my highlight reel match. This is my hands down favorite match that I've done. Wow. Uh, there doesn't have to be one answer on this. It can be multiple choice if you had two or three. Well, um, definitely one that stands out would be uh, I tagged with uh, WWE NXT's Paul Dempsey before like a month or two before he actually signed his WWE contract. Wow. That was pretty cool to tag with him in my hometown of Islip, New York at a, uh, a benefit show that was for the fire department there. That was pretty cool. Well, let, let, before you get in that story, I want to ask you a question. Did he give you the heads up of what was going on? Did he tell you, hey, by the way, I'm not going to be here much longer because the, the big boys are calling? Uh, no, I think we all kind of knew because uh, Bull Dempsey is an amazing talent, man. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, he's just by far, like, knowledge-wise, better than half the people that are even in WWE right now. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize it. He's one of those rare talents that – he was built and made for this business. Well, and that's another question I've got for you before, because I have to keep pausing on your story. I'm sorry. When people get signed up for WWE and things like that, do they have to keep it quiet? Do they have to kind of, you know, not tell people what's really going on? Do they have to kind of keep it super hush-hush, or how, how does that work? In a way, yes, and in a way, no. Because either way, when someone gets signed, it always gets leaked. You know what I'm saying? So it's never really a surprise on who's getting signed because to me nowadays, the way that, that the internet is, it, it's helped wrestling and it's kind of killed wrestling. I don't like the fact that, you know, people are constantly posting the dirt, dirt sheets on, uh, you know, what, what what's going on because it makes you not want to watch, you know? Because then if you know exactly what's going to happen and these, these guys, you know, they have their blogs on, you know, you know what's exactly happened, or if it was taped and they were there, like you know, it just it kills it to me. Yeah, and shitty podcasts that are always telling wrestling news. You know, I I feel you, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it but, takes away the surprise and the mystique that was around in the '90s and in the '80s. You know, when guys debuted, it was like a big thing that you were like, "Holy shit!" Like you knew who they were, and then they'd come out and they'd fucking debut, and you'd be like, "Holy crap! I need to fucking see more of this guy." 
now, you know, people debut and they're like, oh, okay, cool. What are you going to do with him? Is he going to be champion? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, like, as someone in the business and, and a diehard fan, I'll never stop being a fan of pro wrestling. It just, it, it bothers me. I don't even want to, like, people will post it and I'll be like, oh, I, can't, well, I can't look at this. <laughs> Well, let me ask you about that, about the dirt sheets and the IWC, as they call it, the Internet Wrestling Community. How do you think that might have hindered the wrestling business, or how do you think, like you said yourself, it's kind of killing the business? Well, the fact that, you know, it, it's it's just bad business, man. Like, the, you know, people within the company will leak things, or someone close to the company will leak, like, major events, or... Like, say, uh, like the whole thing with Undertaker that just happened. Everyone knew he was going to be back just because someone leaked it. And the people that would have been watching, and then it was a big surprise, they'd be calling their friends, dude, you got to order the pay-per-view right now, or you need to watch the replay. Undertaker just came out. Then you got more pay-per-view buys. You know what I'm saying? And you got more people tuned in. And it's not that, you know, it makes it must-see because then you never know what's going to happen. But nowadays, with, with the internet and Twitter and all that other crap, you know, people are constantly posting about what's going to happen, exactly the rundown of all the matches and who's going over. And, like, it just makes it makes some like, – the casual wrestling fan, that if they read that, they've said to me, and I've, I've talked to tons of them, that they're like, I, I just don't watch it or I won't watch the pay-per-view because I know exactly what's going to happen. Well, yeah, I agree. And also, it's like you said something about The Undertaker coming. It's like – when so, I always hate it when I'm watching like Raw or something, and then you see like a wrestler's like signs in the like in the audience. You're like, wait a minute, what's this mean? It kind of like tips you off, even if you haven't. It like, gives the, you the hint, yeah. Yeah, it did like that. You that something's gonna happen because I love those days back at like in the late '90s when the internet wasn't as connected as it is now, and like when The Rock or Stone Cold or someone came back from an injury, you had no idea. And even like, obviously the announcers know, but like I love Jr. Like when he would announce like you know, business is picked up, you know, like it crazy. And like, and then you just got excited at home because you didn't know what was going to happen. And then the audience yeah. was obviously crazy. And like, you, you kind of miss that magic. I know it's kind of cheesy to say, but it's a very magical feeling you get when you don't know what's going to happen. It's almost like if you open up all your Christmas presents before Christmas day, it kind of loses that luster that, you know, like that magic. Yeah. And you don't appreciate it. Yeah. And I, that's, I gotta that's, say that's the whole thing I'm getting at is like, a lot of people, they, they're quick to bash the product, and, you know, it's it's for your entertainment. And, you know, they're going to do things, whatever they feel will entertain you, and if it doesn't, then, you know, you just got to sit there and take it on the chin, like everyone else. They're, they're not going to write, you know, epic crap every single, you know what I'm saying? Every single day, every single month, you know, they, they're working so hard, and, like, people don't realize that, you know, it is, it is hard to try and entertain people nowadays because of the internet. Because there's so much out there, and it's just like, okay, I've seen all that. What, what's next? What can you do now? No, and I, I will can say, stop that? CJ, I'm probably the worst offender. Uh, probably one of the things that I spend most of my time at at work is looking at a website I like called Lords of Pain. And, like, uh-huh. seeing the spoilers, seeing the things that are happening next. And you're right. Like, back when it was the Monday Night Wars, I didn't have access to the internet. I didn't have access to sites like Lords of Pain. So when things happened, I was genuinely surprised. And it made me a lot more excited about what was going to happen next. Because I didn't know. And now, I think you're 110% right. 
uh, it's kind of like Johnny said, it's like open your presents before Christmas. You don't have the surprise anymore because everybody kind of knows what's happening. People even know who signed beforehand. Like, I knew about Samoa Joe coming to NXT way before he debuted because they were like, oh, you know, Samoa Joe is turning down indie gigs because he says he's got something else going on and they kind of alluded to he was going to NXT. So it kind of loses the mystique after a while. Yeah. Because now, like, he's there, and then now you're like, all right, what are you going to do with him? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that, that's You can't my... just be surprised by what he does. Yeah. And that's why I think as a wrestling fan, I go get so excited when I do get surprised. Like, this year at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey and The Rock showing up. I had no clue that was going to happen. It knocked my socks off. Seeing Seth Rollins actually do a cash-in at WrestleMania, which was the first time ever was huge because I was so surprised. But when you're not surprised and you kind of see it coming, it, it, it kind of takes away the mystique. So back to the original question, before we kind of started spitballing about what some of your favorite matches were, how was it tag team with Bull Dempsey? Um, it was <laughs> it was pretty awesome because like, I, I knew him previously like while I was growing in the business. And um, it was kind it was pretty much an honor to me to tag with someone like him and uh i just i was so nervous <laughs> i tripped twice in the match so you know it, it was cool i mean we, we got our job done but like that's like a minor thing to get tripping in the match like once or twice like getting in the ring i tripped and then like during one of our spots i tripped but i was just i wanted to deliver such a good match that you know i wanted not only myself to be happy with it but him as well as our opponent well what's the dynamic for you, like when it comes to tag team as opposed to being a solo competitor, oh, it's 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 such a different mindset because when you're in a tag team, if you guys both like mesh well, it's so easy. But if you're the guy that can do more than the other guy and you're the mouthpiece, it's it's hard. But um, you know, when you're riding solo as a solo wrestler, you know you got to be really confident in yourself and. You know, just be sure of, you know, do what you can within your element. Don't do things that don't make sense. And don't do things that's going to hurt yourself or the other person if you're not sure of what you're doing. Same thing kind of pertains to tag team wrestling. But with tag team wrestling, you really need to be on point with that partner. Because you want, you need to want people to care about the both of you, not just one of you. I've always said if I was going to get in the pro wrestling business, which I actually thought about in college a little bit, I actually talked with a team 3D school for a little bit and actually really thought about giving it a go for a hot minute. But I always said if I got in the business, I wanted to be a tag team wrestler. If you had to pick a favorite, is it being a tag team wrestler or is it being a singles wrestler? Oh, man, that's kind of rough because I started out doing singles wrestling and then eventually I want to say – like a year or two into me being in, I wrestled for like a good two years and just all tag matches. But uh, I guess I'd rather be a singles wrestler because it's everything's on you. And it's not that like if you're in a tag match and the other guy screws up and he kind of tries to blame it on you or you're trying to blame your screw up on him. And, you know, you have no one out there but to blame but yourself and possibly the other guy you're working with. You know, it's all on you as a solo wrestler. I enjoy being a solo wrestler, but I enjoy all types of wrestling, man. I'd rather 
I'd rather just be out there, you know, that I love this business so much that I don't care if I was in a, a stable friggin', you know, three, three on three tag match and a tornado tag. It didn't, it didn't matter. Solos match. No matter what match it is, I just want to be out there. CJ, have you done a stable before? Um, I had, I had thought about doing like doing something like that, like on my own and other federations just with guys that I, that I grew in the business with, but it just kind of never panned out. And then over the past year, I want to say, um, the Suffolk wrestling Alliance is doing this whole stable of wrestlers that are all like basically the top heels called the revolution. And I know that's like a, an overused thing in the indies now everyone's doing some type of revolution gimmick but uh that's basically what i'm in right now and i'm on the shelf so they got all those other guys doing doing what they got to do and then when i come back i guess i still fill the void of uh bambino not being there you know what i'm saying brother well no i get that but i'll tell you what man even with you on the shelf if you were in a stable i would have you there every night cutting promos for him i would have you be the paul Heyman of the group even if you're like whoa 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 i can't fight you know i'm on the shelf and then you come and you hit somebody with a chair you distract the referee i mean having a guy like you on the shelf in my opinion it, it, it it's kind of like having lebron and sitting him on the bench like you don't do that you he can do something like you could be out there talking you could be doing other things I think any federation that has you just sit in the bench, it, it, in my opinion, that's crazy. I, I appreciate that a lot because I have said up and down to different promoters, I will go out there and I will talk for you. It doesn't matter. I'll go out there whether I'm wrestling, whether I'm not wrestling. If you need me to, to – it doesn't matter because I just want to be around the business. And even if you wanted me there to just help other guys out and tweak certain things and, you know – get things from my perspective not to say that i know everything because i don't and i still need to i need i still need to learn i still need to grow in the business i'm only 25 years old and you know a federation like the nywc my home is doing like wonders for me man just putting me with tony mama luke and nunzio that's that's like (laughs) i can't even describe how like how that feels and it, it and it it's just I'm so appreciate so appreciative of it, and I'm so humbled by it because like I talk to Mama Luke on it on almost a daily, every other day basis, talking wrestling, talking life, and you know having someone to learn from someone like that in a federation that you know they could have they could have easily given that to someone else, but they chose me, and that that means something to me. Well, I've got to say I really like what your federation is doing. I also really like uh, you put something on Facebook a couple weeks ago where they basically they've got the wrestling school and it's like one night a week they kind of do a show with all the wrestling school students so it gets some time in the ring in front of people. I thought that was yeah. amazing. Like I think things like that where you're trying to help these new kids out so they get experience is just a it's good for the business because it, you know I'm sure it's probably a very cheap show for people that just want to go see pro wrestling and it's good experience for the kids in the school. Oh, yeah, not even, like, this, so, like, NYWC is doing that, um, CZW does this thing called Dojo Wars, where they're doing it, like, every Wednesday night, and things like that, for, for any federation to have a student show, to grow their, their guys, to get those jitters out, to try new things, like I said, you just gotta keep going out there and wrestling and wrestling, doesn't matter what type of wrestling it is, just get out there and do it, and especially if you have an academy like the NYWC Academy or CZW or, you know, all these other places that they have academies that they put on academy shows, 
it just it helps the business so much and it helps these young guys learn you know get the get the experience and not only that like once they're on your your main show it makes the the product so much better and it gives you a fresh face a fresh a fresh injection into the company because then people see these young guys that are that are doing incredible things and you're just like wow like i want to see more of this guy and, and not just here i want to see him on tv one day yeah, and that's got to be better for the business because, like you said, you know, somebody goes to one day, Wednesday night show and they see Wrestler X and they're like, man, I really like him. I like his style. He starts to get a following. Then they're like, hey, instead of just wrestling Wednesday night, why don't you come and work our show this weekend? You know, it gives guys kind of a put. It's almost like to use WWE as a reference, it's almost like the NXT to the WWE. You have these guys wrestling these smaller shows. And they get a following, and then they kind of get called up to the main roster. Same thing with you guys. They do these these little shows when it comes to for the wrestling school. They get a following, and they're like, hey, this guy's got it. He's got that it factor. He or This guy's really good in the ring. People are really connecting with him. And it just gives the promoter another way to make more money, which in turn makes all you guys more money. Oh, yeah. Not only that, like the fact that if a promoter takes an interest in you and – you he wants to give you that experience and exposure that's that's a blessing in the skies man because there's places like ace pro wrestling beyond wrestling czw nywc that you know they do these shows and you know swa too and like there's so many places i can name and they do these you know these types of uh, either pre-shows or you know uh, secluded shows either beforehand and then you got the the main show as a bonus like it's it's just so it's so refreshing to see all these newer faces so where it's not you're not you know i can't i can't i don't i can't find the word to to bring out i guess so you're not overwhelmed with the same talent over and over and over again no because if you see the same guys wrestling week after week it gets boring you've got to inject new blood into it because if not if it's like okay we've got you know 20 guys that are wrestling every weekend at a certain point, you've seen every matchup you can do with those 20 guys. You know what I mean? You've seen every feud you can see. So it kind of gives new fuel to the fire. And that actually brings me to another question. How is it like working with promoters? You know, there, there are some that are very easy to deal with. They're very kind. And, you know, they just want to help you. And then there are some that they're, you know, it's all about what you could do for them. And, you know, that's just, it's just how the business is, man. You know, you gotta, you gotta make money somehow. And I, I understand, you know, you want to do what's best for your company and, you know, make as much money as you can at the door and at concession and, you know, the merch, the merch and sales and else, stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of promoters that they're, some of them are just about themselves. And then there's a lot that are about the business and that are about helping out the wrestlers and getting these guys somewhere. Well, I, I think it maybe hit the nail on the head. It's a lot like football coaches or people in business. There's some guys that you want to work for that want to help you, and then there's some guys that want to help themselves, and it's just it, probably a good mix of the two. Yeah. It, That's without question. <laughs> well, what, what promotions are you working with now, and do you got any big events that are coming up that our fans ought to go see? Yeah, we got we got so much going on. Uh, the New York Wrestling Connection, obviously, my home is where I'm staying. Um, it's my mainstay of where I'm wrestling. Uh, they got a show August 27th. Uh, it's called Hotter Than Hell. Uh, if you want to look up more about the event, 
find us on Facebook, NYWC Pro Wrestling, or uh, look us up on Google, nywcwrestling.com. You can see, you know, the, all the the media that we have. We uh, we're working on a YouTube page to to kind of get people, uh, you know, the channel out there and get people not only you know that come to our shows involved, but the people that can't make it get up to speed with our storylines and just the wrestlers and just get wrestling out there. Um, also, occasionally working for uh, Ace Pro Wrestling, which is in New Jersey. Um, doing a lot of stuff with uh, the Suffolk Wrestling Alliance, and uh, that's basically it right now. Uh, where can we get some uh, Great Bambino t-shirts, man? We want to rock them down here in Florida. <laughs> as soon as I get some new stuff in and I get you know something that I like a lot, I will definitely send you guys one free of charge. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Are you still working with Strong Style? Oh, yeah, without question. Uh, those guys, too, I... Yeah, so totally skipped my mind. You're just getting into our, our wrestling conversation. Strong That's style, my job, man. Honestly. That's my job. I got to get all the plugs in for everybody. So go <laughs> yeah, see him. What is it? Strongstylebrand.com? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, I believe it's strongstyle slash bigcartel.com. There you, you go. You can probably Google that and it'll come up. But strongstyle, you, you can go on my Instagram, my Facebook, my like page or whatever. I'm always posting stuff about them with links to their page. Um, they got some really cool stuff coming out, man. They're not only about pro wrestling. They're about the skateboard industry, music. They just want to take the world by storm. And if you want to wear what the pros wear, you wear strong style brand, brother. Well, you said uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. How do people find you on the Internet? Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm, at, I'm, based, I'm just CJ Bambino. You can type in my name, add me. I'm not at the point where I can't add friends yet. Uh, I also, uh, you can type in in the, the search search for the like page. I'm at the Great Bambino with with the quotations CJ Antonino, and then uh, you can find me on Twitter at the at Bambino Express, uh, and on Instagram I believe I'm uh, CJ uh, Bambino. Well, CJ brother, it has been an honor and a privilege, and to our fans out there, this, this isn't the end of the road on this story. This is part one. Yep. So you're going to have to wait and listen for more for part two. So, Johnny, where can they find us on the Internet? We are on Facebook.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast Show. Of course, on Twitter at HH Podcast Show. Give us a five-star review if you like us on iTunes and on Stitcher. And, of course, SoundCloud.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast is our main hosting for all of our podcasting. And remember... When you're talking about the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce, there's three hashtags you want to put in your social media of choice. Hashtag happy hour podcast. Hashtag HH podcast show. And hashtag Deuce is on the loose. Later.